0: All right, so who's planning to come help deliver gifts? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, praise the Lord. Well, pray about it, because it's going to be a great outreach. So uh, raise your hand if you're finished with your Christmas shopping. <laughs> you haven't got my gift yet? <laughs> no. No, just teasing. All right, so praise the Lord. Before we get into Galatians, I turn to James. Have a little exhortation the Lord's put on my heart, and actually the seed thought came through a church member that emailed me. Um, so look at James chapter one. This is this is really an exhortation to get the most out of the messages you receive here at the church. Raise your hand if you'd like the, the word to actually impact your life. Amen. Well, that's really what it's about. If we just come to hear the word but not let it have impact in our life, then Really, what are we doing? So, so let's, let's talk about how we can impact, let the word impact us. Look at James chapter 1, look at verse 22. It says, but be hearers of the word. Doers. I'm sorry. Can we pop up the scripture? There we go. Clueless yeah, clueless translation. <laughs> but, be, but be doers. Say doers. Doers, doers of the word. And not hearers only deceiving ourselves, you know the the default our default isn't the average person's default isn't to come to church to i'm going I'm going to get something to apply to actually impact my life or change that's not our default our default is we have stuff going on it's like i'm I'm coming here to check off the box and come to church I want to hear a message and and be edified by the message and but you should come saying, I, I need to hear from you, Lord, something that I can actually put into practice that can impact my life long-term. And it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. Raise your hand if you've ever been deceived by somebody. Isn't that a horrible feeling? You know what's worse than, bless you, you know what's worse than being deceived by someone else? It's being self-deceived. Tell someone, don't fake yourself out. How do you fake yourself out? You hear the word, but you don't do anything with the word. And, and uh, how do you know that that takes place is, it happens, so you're going to have lunch with some friends that go to a different church. You go to lunch, and you say, you ask each other, how was church? Awesome. And you meet someone that goes to Pastor Lawson, oh, Pastor Lawson was on fire. <laughs> he got all red, he got all excited, and he said, well, what did he say? It was something about, but it was powerful. <laughs> no. Why? Why can't we tell exactly what it was about? Because we made no decision to do something with it. Right. Come on. And, and so I'm going to tell you what what hearing a church service is like. Uh, it's it's like a fireworks show. Ooh, ah, wow, oh. Look at Psalms 119 verse 130 this takes place in a church service when the anointing's present and the and the Revealed word and the revelatory words coming forth. This is what takes place in Psalms 119. Look at verse 130 Psalms 119 Look at verse 130 It says the entrance of your words gives what light It gives understanding to the simple. So that's what's taking place is when the Word's being ministered, the times you go, ooh, oh, I see, oh. And you see that, and sometimes you even need to hear people running, oh, that's good, that's good. You see light. But that doesn't mean that that has taken root in your heart. You've seen light. That light needs to be sown and take root. Look at... um, and another verse here. Look at Psalms ninety-seven. Look at verse eleven. Say, say the light, the light needs to be sown to, to take root. To take That's a revela- the, light, the revelation. The revelation it gets to take root. Look at Psalms ninety-seven, eleven. Light is what sown. the light is sown for, for the righteous and gladness for the upright heart. So when that light comes, it needs to be sown, it needs to take root. That's just really the parable Jesus gave of the soils. And it needs to take root. No root, no fruit. And so oftentimes we're seeing light, but it hasn't taken root. And, if, and so I'll go back to James 1, look at verse 23. This is how it takes root. James 1.23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself quickly, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. So it's a quick glance, and then you don't spend much time examining, but you just go your way and you forget. And so, but look at verse 25, this is the key to having that light sown and takes root. But he that looks, and the Greek is keeps looking, keeps looking, keeps looking, and keeps looking, and keeps looking, and keeps looking looking into the perfect law of liberty, that's grace, and continues in it, say continues, continues to look. Look at Jesus, keep looking at Jesus, keep on looking at Jesus. And it's not a what? Forgetful Forgetful here, but a what? A doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. And so... We need to meditate on the light that we get. So let's get practical. When, when you're in the church service and you're hearing something, oh, that's good, that's good. Uh, it's good to bring a pen and paper. And you might not catch every word, but when when you get a revelatory thought that hits your heart and you, the light comes on, you need to write that down. Yeah. Underline it. If you're taking all the notes, just underline the ones that really spoke. Ooh, that, that was good. I, I saw that underline that and then when you go home you forget it. No. no what do you do? You go home and you and you meditate on it. Pray over it. And, and then and then you may want to get on and listen to the message again. We have a podcast. It's on our website. It's also on your phone, iTunes, whatever you can get it's River Rock Church, Colorado Springs, you can get on and re-listen to it and meditate on this and it'll actually take root to where it starts to bear fruit because I want you to uh, look at one last verse before we get into Galatians. Look in Ephesians 5.9 in the ESV. The ESV brings us out. Ephesians 5.9, ESV. For the fruit of the light, say fruit fruit of the light, is found in all that's good, right, and true. So there's fruit of the light, but it has to come that it's sown, it's taken root, and then there's the fruit of the light, that's in your life. That's that's a life that's changed. And so again, t- tell someone uh, the I just gave the word of the wise. So tell someone you're the wise. <laughs> now do the word. All right, you ready for Galatians? All right, Galatians chapter two. We're gonna finish this chapter by grace and faith today. Verse seventeen through verse 21 let's read but if while we seek to be justified by christ we ourselves also are found sinners is christ therefore a minister of sin certainly not for if i build again those things which i destroyed i make myself a transgressor for i through the law died to the law that i might live to god i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live But Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law then Christ died in vain let's pray over our spiritual meal father we thank you so much for the Word of God that is nutrients and nutritious for our inward man we're gonna receive it by faith and be nourished by it today Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the anointed teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person that's listening. Father, open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what's being said. Father, I thank you for doing this miracle and that your children walk away hearing from you. And only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Verse 17, start unpacking this. But if While we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. Let's again set up what's happening here. Is Peter's gone to Antioch, a Gentile church, and he's checking it out. And he wants to see what's going on among the Gentile church. And there's a revival going on, and there's great freedom in the church. And Peter gets there, and he's refreshed by it. He loves the freedom he finds in Antioch. And so he just he just lay aside all of the the encumbrances of his Jewish traditions and lay aside, and he just fits in with the Gentiles. And so what happens is he enjoys the church service, and he he wears what the Gentiles wear, and he eats what the Gentiles eat, because he eats with them. And so he's enjoying bacon and eggs in the breakfast, and ham sandwiches at lunch, and pork chops in the evening. And He's just enjoying himself, and one day he's in the middle of his pork chop, chewing it up, looks out the window, and sees those from Jerusalem, from James, and from the Jerusalem church was a very legalistic church, and so out of fear of James, he spits out the pork chop, wipes off the the grease off his beard, pops in a couple of mints into his mouth, and separates immediately from the Gentiles and wouldn't eat with them anymore. And the other Jews follow Peter's example, and even Barnabas which is paul's right-hand man ministered to the gentiles he even separates and follows peter and the other jews and the only one sitting at the gentile table is paul and so paul realized i gotta i gotta deal with this publicly because this is a public thing going on and so he decides he's going to confront peter in front of everybody and he gives him a little sermon and today's sermon is is paul's sermon to peter and um and, and Peter's not going to argue back. He knows he's dead to right. And so Paul's going to give that. And this is what Paul's saying. But if while we, say we. we. That's Jews. We Jews. Peter, us, we, us Jews. But if while we Jews seek to be justified by Christ, we Jews ourselves are found sinners. Because they were, they, they, the Jews always looked at the Gentiles as sinners. They were actually called the sinners of the Gentiles. So if you weren't under the law, you were actually a Gentile, you were a sinner, and that was what they called them. And so Paul says, but we, Jews, ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore the minister of sin? While we seek, say seek. seek, seek to be justified. Do you know you have to seek to be justified by the Lord? You have to seek to be justified. This isn't something that automatically takes place to all humanity. There's a teaching out called universalism that teaches Jesus died for everyone, so automatically every human being is justified and right with God, and that's not the case. And so again, it's not automatic. You have to seek to be justified. And so you must seek to be justified by Christ. You don't automatically get justified. It says, we ourselves, are the Jews, also are found sinners. Say found sinners. Found sinners. You know the law was designed to find you out? Before the law, you didn't realize you were a sinner. Until there was a law to break, you didn't realize there was something within you that wasn't right. It's just like before the speed limits got up, you didn't know you had a lead foot.
1: <laughs>
0: and all of a sudden, 55 goes up, and you're like... Um, I have trouble following that, and I keep breaking it, and there's something within you that rises up. How, sh- how dare they limit me and the capability of this engine? Come on. <laughs> you know, you know, because some of you guys, some of your angels have just showed up <laughs> to church because they're keeping the law, and they just got here. The law was designed to find you out. Romans 3.20 says through the law is the knowledge of sin, singular, the sin nature. Because the law came and they kept breaking it. It was like, wait a minute, why do I keep breaking this and I can't keep it? And there's something within me resents it. It's called sin principle that's within human beings. And the law revealed man's a sinner and, and the need for salvation. The law was given to show the glory and majesty of God. It raises the bar up to perfection. The law has, you cannot bend it. You can't, it's not graded on a curve. It's absolute perfection or it's violation and death. And the law brought it forth to show God's purity, his majesty, his glory, and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the law was given to show the majesty of God. And Jesus, we're going to find out, is actually the reality of what the law shadowed He is the majesty and the glory of God and when he came on the scene People in the light of him saw how far they fell and that was Peter Peter actually realized and fell down one day before the Lord and said I'm a sinful man And he knew he was a sinner look at Luke chapter 5 look at verse 8 He was on a fishing trip And didn't catch anything has anybody ever been on a fishing trip and caught nothing? No true fisherman will admit to that. (laughs) It was was a minnow. I saw a sign. Let me see if I get it right. Hunters wait, uh, lie in wait, and fishermen wait in lies. (laughs) There you go. There you go. And, and he's out fishing, can't find it. And, and so Jesus, helping him out, said, Hey, uh, you're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Yeah, I'm on the wrong side of the boat. Yeah, thanks, preacher. Okay, all right, fine, just to show you, I'll throw it on the other side of the boat. And all of a sudden, the, the nets fill up and they start breaking. And, and this is what happens, Luke 5.8, and when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. In the majesty and the glory of Jesus, he saw he was a sinner. So, so he, he's bringing him back. You, you knew you were a sinner that needed to be saved by grace. But now you're going back into the law saying, I'm not a sinner. I'm a keeper of the law. To be saved, you must first realize and acknowledge that you're lost. Is Christ, therefore, the minister of sin? Uh, look at the word minister. It's the word diakonos, where we get the word deacon from, the word deacon. And so a deacon is a minister. And so is Christ the deacon of sin? Now, there's been plenty of deacons in the church that have been deacons of sin but in church history, but Jesus is not one of them. He is not the deacon of sin. What what is Paul saying here in this verse? Peter realized he was a sinner that needed salvation and trusted in Christ's grace to be born again. But Jesus did not make him a sinner. He just revealed to Peter he was a sinner. The Jews had labeled Jesus a minister of sin. Why? Because they said Jesus seduced people from following the law and thus were making people sinners by pulling them outside of the law. Jesus does not make anyone a sinner. Tell someone Jesus didn't make you a sinner. You were already one. And tell someone you were a good one. (laughs) Jesus does not make anyone a sinner. He just reveals to men they are sinners. Look at verse 18. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. And notice he says, he went from we to I. He's given a pre- he's preaching a sermon to Peter, but to ease it up a little bit, he says, well, take, take the example, I'm going to put myself as an example in the situation. And that's useful because you're not helping people if you're, if, if you're trying to share truth to them and they feel attacked. So the best thing is to put, put you as the example in the story. It helps take the pressure off them. And then they get the, they get the clue. It applies to them too. So Paul puts himself in this. He said, I build again those things which I destroyed. What, what, what did he destroy? Uh, build again is actually build a, build a house or build a structure. Every Jew living under the law was making a vain attempt at building a temple to invite God to live in they're trying by their own works to construct a temple to invite God to dwell in their temple but however the best of them was only constructing a filthy shack with holes in it that leaked and so Peter used tonight we we used to try to build this temple for God to come dwell in and we realized it didn't work out, and so I destroyed it. I, te- I tore it down because all of my I realized all of my attempts at salvation were filthy rags, and I'd have to abandon the building totally to accept a building from God given as a gift. And so, so when Peter realized he was a sinner, he could not qualify for salvation in his own works or satisfy God's demand, he tore down his shack and trusted fully in christ to save him however in antioch peter had gone back to building the dirty shack again you know when you accept jesus you become the temple That's right. by grace you're a temple for god to come and dwell in and god can only dwell in perfection and when you're born again you are a perfect temple tell someone you're a beautiful temple And it was a gift from God. Tell someone else, don't go back to the shack. shack. (laughs) Because if you go back to building up the shack of your own works, you make yourself a transgressor. Paul said, I make myself a transgressor. Now that Peter had jumped ship from the law to Christ, and then back again from Christ to the law, he was a transgressor on both sides. What's the difference between a sinner? Because he started out with the word sinner, but now he's a transgressor. You know, a sinner is someone that falls short of the glory of God, and you, you can be a sinner and not know it. If you didn't have the law, you, you, you still didn't meet God's standard, but didn't realize how far you met But you know what a transgressor is? It's someone who willingly, knowingly crosses a line they know they shouldn't cross. Peter has gone from being a sinner to a transgressor. He knows better. He's transgressing a line that he knows. And he becomes a transgressor. So in leaving Christ to go back to the law, Peter was a transgressor of God's law of faith. Look at Romans chapter 3. Look at verse 27. Some people say, well, when, you, when, when you're free from the law, bless God, we're free from the law. I have no law in my life. Well, you're not called to be lawless. You're not under the Mosaic law, but you're not to be lawless because there's new, uh, there are new laws of grace that we're to operate in. And there's three of them in the New Testament. There are laws within our born-again spirit that God put there. That if we'll tap into them, there it's like a principle that always works. A law is, is a universal principle that it will work. There's three laws of grace that He deposited within your born-again spirit to live the Christian life from. You're not tell someone you're not lawless. You're not lawless. Well, you shouldn't be. And the first one's the law of faith. Where is boasting then? It's excluded by what law? Of works no by the law of faith when you got born again the faith of Jesus Christ was deposited within your born-again spirit and so it's there to use it tell someone use the faith God gave you you. he put faith what's the other law the law of love that's John 13 34 he calls it the royal law or the law of love and so he put the love of when you got born again the love of God was shed abroad in your heart and your, your spirit is filled with the love of God. And it's the law of love. And so if you'll operate with this under, uh, uh, trusting in the love of God working through you, you don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments because you'll live them all out. You won't steal, you won't kill, you won't commit adultery when you walk in the love of God to, for yourself and to other people. Yeah. So the law of love is working in our spirit. But then in Romans 8, 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus these are three laws of grace that we're to live by. We're not to be lawless. But, but so Peter going from Christ back to the law was violating the law of faith he had in Jesus. And the Jews, he was going back to try to fit in with the Jews. But the Jews wouldn't receive him because he, they saw him as a transgressor. He had left the law. He had forsaken the law. And he was living with the Gentiles, eating with the Gentiles, eating bacon. you sinner, you transgressor. So he didn't fit in with them. But if you're not going to trust in Jesus, you don't feel comfortable with him. And so he's like the Civil War guy. He didn't want to get shot in the war, so he wore a blue coat, gray pants, and got shot by both sides. It was a checkmate situation in chess. There's no winning for him because he's standing in between two grounds. Look at verse 19. For I through the law died to the law that I might live for God. He's preaching a sermon to Peter. He said, I'm going to use my own personal testimony, Paul, and it's the same for you. I through the law died to the law that I might live for God. What what does it mean through the law I died to the law? The law condemns those who break the law to death. That's the penalty for breaking the law. Through the penalty of the law exacted on our behalf, which is death, we're freed from the law's further demands through Jesus dying. Death is the the result of breaking the law. And so a death sentence was given to us, but Jesus stepped in and took our death sentence. And so through the demands of the law, which is death, Jesus took our death, died our death, so that we could be free from the penalty and once the once the law has enacted its punishment it can never do it again it's called the law of double jeopardy you can never be tried for the same crime twice once it's been exacted it's exacted forever it's satisfied forever so law's demand upon us as believers has been fully forever satisfied by Jesus death on the cross It has no more claims on us. It cannot punish us anymore. In heaven, you're not going to have a jumbotron with every sin. And I'll pay for my sins on judgment day. (laughs) No, no, on the cross, he bore every one of your sins. And God saw it. And he paid the full brunt of it. He took the wrath of God to the last degree and died a death we deserve. And it was, and Jesus cried on the cross. It is finished. He didn't cry, I'm still working on it. (laughs) He says, It's finished. The law's demands is finished. We died to the law, for through the law, I died to the law. Tell someone you've died died to the law. How did I die to the law? Good question. We died to the law and that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Do you know the Mosaic law was a shadow? It was just a mere shadow. Let's see that. Look in Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 16. The law, the Mosaic law was but a shadow of something else that cast it. Every shadow is casted by an object. You understand that? So you need a light source, you need an object to have a shadow. Well, what's the object that casts the shadow of the Old Testament Mosaic law? We're going to find out. Look at Colossians 2, look at verse 16. So let no one judge you in food, hallelujah. Don't judge me for my pizza, pepperoni pizza. Or in drink, my Diet Coke. Or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath day. That means Saturday. No work on Saturday. No watching football on Saturday. No, no, no shopping on Saturday. You, nothing on Saturday. Nothing on Saturday. That's the law. And these were, these were all the stuff that the law, the outward stuff. But look at verse 17. These were a shadow. Of things to come when you see a shadow so you're, you're standing and you see an end of a building and you see a shadow coming that tells you an objects coming the, the shadow comes first but there's something else coming the object casting it's coming well the the mosaic law was a shadow that was there was an object coming that it represented and we're gonna find out what it was but it says but the substance a substance the object that cast the shadow is Christ. Look at the Amplified and the Classic. Amplified Classic. Colossians 2.17. Amplified. Amplified is, it's just louder. And it's a ladies' version. It has more words. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I just lost some of you. Actually, a lady is the one, a lady translated... And actually created the Amplified Version. It's true. So it's a ladies' version. (laughs) (sighs) Look it up. Look it up. Colossians 2.17. Such things, this is the law, the things of the law, are a shadow of the things which are to come. And they have only a symbolic value. But the reality... The substance, the solid fact of what is foreshadowed, the body of it belongs to Christ. (laughs) Then finally, the ASV. If we have the ASV, this brings us out better. The ASV says this, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is Christ's. The object, it's his body. That's what was casting the, the Mosaic law. Jesus is the very law of God. And he came and lived out his own righteous life in perfection. What is the object of the Mosaic law? It was Jesus himself. Jesus in our place fulfilled the law in his perfect life. He fulfilled every commandment, 613 commandments of the law. He fulfilled it perfectly by his righteous, perfect life. Jesus lived on the earth as our representative. Say our representative. When did Jesus become our representative? Well, uh, on the cross. Mm. No, before he came to die, he came to live. So he didn't become your representative on the cross. He became your representative at the cradle. Because he came to live under God's holy law because God demanded perfection from humanity. That's the only thing God can take in order to bless you, to be good to you, to provide for you. It takes perfection or he's he's not righteous. So his own justice and his own righteousness demands perfection. And no human being could give it to him all the way up to when Jesus came. Everyone fell short. And so Jesus said, every man came short of what you demand, I'll become a man and give you what you demand, but I'll do it as them and for them, as their representative. So Jesus lived as your representative as a man, and under the law, he fulfilled all 613 commandments in thought, word, and deed, every jot, every tittle, he lived it out in perfection because if it was just to die, he could have died when Herod wanted to kill him when he was two. Or when he was presented at 12 in the temple, he could have sacrificed then. No, for 33 years, it says, not my hour. It's not my hour yet. It's not my hour yet. I still got living to do. I still have testings to fulfill. I, have, I still have the law to fulfill. For 33 years in perfection, as you and for you, as a man under the law, fulfilled utter righteousness But then on the cross, he fulfilled all the sacrifices for your broken law. And in your place, he took your sins, your curse, became sin. And when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, there's a divine exchange. Your sin for his perfect righteousness. What kind of righteousness as a man under the law? in perfection as you and for you and then it's given to you as a gift he fulfilled the law for you so once he's fulfilled it it's moved out of the way and you have no more relation to it anymore because it's been fulfilled tell someone don't don't try to fulfill the law tell someone else someone else already did it that's jesus on your behalf Jesus, in our place, fulfilled the law in his perfect life and then fulfilled the penalty and the breaking of the law by dying in our place and satisfied every sacrifice of the law. In biblical language, to die to a thing is to cease to have any relation to it. See, I have an oohs and aahs. Write that down. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. Let light be sown for the righteous and bear the fruit of the light. In biblical language, to die to a thing is to cease to have any relation to it at all. You're dead to it. You know, in some countries, if you get born again and get baptized, they'll say, you are dead to me. What does it mean you're dead to me? That means your picture's taken down, Your are all names erased, you're not mentioned anymore. It's like you never. You have no relationship. Jesus fulfilled the law so that you could die to it. That's good, I'm lawless now. No, no, no. Now you have higher laws you can operate in, the law of faith, the law of love, and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that operate in your spirit, man. Notice that the law, he didn't say the law's dead to us. We die to the law. The law is not dead to us. The law has not been eradicated or destroyed. It's been fulfilled by Christ's perfect life and death. We can still live under the law if we choose to. But once by faith we believe in Christ has forever fulfilled it, we should have no more relation to it at all. We're dead to it. Look at Matthew 5.17. Matthew, this is the words of Jesus. He talks red. Matthew 5.17. This is Jesus saying, Do not think that I came to destroy the law. or of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Do you know in 1 Timothy 1, 1.9, the law is not made for a righteous person? Raise your hand if you're righteous in Jesus Christ. The law has not been made for you. Amen. Again, Paul does not say the law is dead. It's very much alive. It's still, it's still, say still. Still. The ministry of death and condemnation. Say, say the law law. is still a ministry of death and condemnation. To those that choose to live under it if you don't want to trust in jesus and you go back into the law to try to fulfill the righteous demands of the law the testament law it will it will do its work it will do exactly what it was designed to do it will minister condemnation guilt and it will kill any relationship you have with god 2 Corinthians 3, 7. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, what, what part of the law was written on stones? Ten the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is a ministry of death. Well, bless, you bless God, you saying you shouldn't lie. I mean, you saying I can lie and steal and commit adultery. And not. No, no, I didn't say that. Don't be lawless. I didn't say be lawless. I say operate in higher laws. Operating the love of God towards you, and that's inside you to operate. And when you love, when you're operating God's agape love, you're not going to steal, kill, serious. commit adultery. You'll live more holy by accident than ever on purpose. The more you know God loves you, yeah. and you're filled with the love of God, you'll live more holier on accident than ever on purpose. That's right. Second Corinthians 3.9. Drop down a couple of verses. For the law is the ministry of condemnation. You want to live under the law? All you're going to get is condemnation. You're not doing enough. You've messed up here. you messed up there. You didn't do it this. And the law isn't just what you, what you, you break and, and not do. It's the stuff that you don't do perfectly. You can do good things, but have you done it perfectly? Well, I try my best. No, well, that's not good enough. And then you just lied in church. You lied in church. You don't always do your best. You don't. Now you're worthy of death. You broke the law. You lied. Jesus took every sin that we did and died in our place. So we wouldn't have to. Do you know a man who moved? So raise your hand if you moved from another state. Most of you. Okay, you understand this. When a person moves across the border from one state into another state, you're no, no longer under the law of the old state. You know, some states there's no income tax, or uh, the. Where? I mean, no, no, there. <laughs> where? Where do I want to go? <laughs> Texas, Florida. Oh, awesome. Like where I want to move? Don't go. Don't leave. But try to live under Florida law here. It's called jail. (laughs) I ain't paying my taxes because I don't. Florida doesn't have to. Now, when you move from one state into another state, the laws that govern that state doesn't hold and abide you anymore. In Christ, you've moved out of the borders of the law and cursing into the borders of freedom and blessing. You've moved from the law, the borders of the law into the borders of grace. The law, the law, the law has nothing to do with you anymore. Look at Colossians 1:13. Tell someone you've moved.. Amen. The problem is when you move but still have the mentality of the old state. <clears throat> Tell someone you need to get your mind renewed. Tell someone else you need a good brainwashing. You, a
1: good
0: brainwashing. <laughs> you moved, you moved, you moved, and you have new law. Lo- you governed by new laws. Amen. Colossians 13. Christ has delivered us. Anybody been delivered? Yes. Well, I'm trying to be delivered. Well, that's your problem. <clears throat> you gotta believe you are delivered before you're delivered. Just like healing you got to believe you're healed before you're healed Amen. he has delivered us from the power that's authority of darkness and conveyed us that's moved us he's moved us into the kingdom of the son of his love Hallelujah. now you're in the borders of love Amen. not law the law com- commands you to love but gives you no resource to do it God commands you to love, but then gives you the resource. He puts his love within you and says, just rely on my love and that my love will do the work. By our faith in the resurrection of Jesus, we're given new life through the new birth in which we become the branches in the vine. He's the vine, we're the branches. We are now in living union with Christ in our born again spirit. His spirit is joined to our spirit. And we're to live from him, not for him. See, that's the difference between law living and grace living. One is you're living for God. You're living for Jesus. What would Jesus do? I'm going to try to copy what Jesus did. You can't. The only person that can live the Christ life is Christ. And he's very good at it. And he's up for the task of doing it in your life today. If you allow him, if you let him be the vine and you be the branch, but no, no, I'll be the vine. I'll produce the Christian walk. Let me tell you something. The Christian walk is not hard. It's impossible. <laughs> right. And the day you learn that is the day you go from the living under the law to living under grace and living from Christ, not for Christ. Notice it says that you might live to God. Might? Well, this is a decision that we need to make. Not everybody's going to choose to be born again, and then if you're born again, you still have a choice to be a legalist and try to live for God, or you can be a graceite. I, yeah, I created that word. Grace. Tell someone you're a graceite. A graceite lives from Christ, the vine, and you're the branch. Tell someone you're a pitiful vine. Tell someone you're a beautiful branch. Get out of production and get into distribution. Verse 20 is probably the greatest verse that I know in the New Testament of the gospel being lived out for a Christian. And it's something we must learn. We don't automatically understand this. And we have to mature. This is the mature Christian. This is the Christian life. Verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The word I is used four times in this verse. The first two times it's used, it speaks of the old I, the old man. The last two, it's the new man. If you're born again, you're no longer an old man, you're a new man. Your old man was crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. This doesn't say I'm being crucified with Christ. I'm trying to be crucified to Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Well, you know, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Where did he take his cross? To Calvary where he died. Well, I'm going to do that. I've got to take up my cross. Do you know that that's not mentioned after the Gospels? He was preaching it to men who think they could do it. You think you could fully die to yourself, one hundred percent? You can't. And to prove it, they all ran. They didn't take their cross. They didn't go get crosses. They would have went. They could have been crucified with them. Every one of them ran. They couldn't do it. Jesus did it for us. Well, I'm trying to die to myself. I'm trying to crucify myself. How's it working? Do you know you can't crucify yourself? Uh, You may get one nail in. You may with effort get the second nail in. But how are you going to get the third one in? Crucifixion is not what you do to yourself. It's what's done to you. And you have no need for crucifixion because you've been crucified in Jesus Christ. When he died as your representative, it happened as you. Remember, he, he, he lived as our representative, but then he died as our representative. And whatever he did is as if we did it. I have been crucified with Christ. My old man has died with Jesus Christ. My old man, my old identity as a sinner has died. I'm not a sinner anymore in my identity. Your identity is who you are in the spirit. Your old spirit is gone. If you're born again, you're a brand new spirit. Baby got new genes. (laughs) You've been regenerated. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You look just like Jesus in the spirit. Tell someone, baby got new genes. On the cross, Jesus chose to fully identify with humanity. Identification means to become identical to. He became identical to us at the cross. He bore our sins and became sin for us on the cross. So that he, in resurrection, would offer us the opportunity for us to choose to become identified with him in resurrection. And when we accept him and believe that that he's the Lord and raised from the dead... We're born again, we're saved, and we become identical to him in resurrection. As he is, so are we when we get to heaven. No, right now, our born again spirit, we're just like Jesus. My old man died with Christ. When we accept Christ by faith, we accept our death sentence from God. Instead of us having to die ourselves, Jesus by grace took our death sentence for us. It is no longer I who live. It's no longer the old man trying to be holy. Under the law, people attempted to live for God by their own vain efforts and evil hearts. The Christian life is not hard. It's impossible. We had to die with Christ before we can live with Christ. If someone dies, they know. Okay, this is a deep thought. Okay, you have to really think about this. If someone dies, they no longer live.. die with Christ, I no longer live. If someone dies, tell someone you died. There's no longer you that live. The one that dead is not the one living. When we accept Christ by faith, we choose to identify with Jesus in, our resur- in His resurrection. We become identical to Him. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, our spirit is made one with the Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. But Christ lives in me. That's the Christian life. I call living the Christ life. is letting Christ live His life in and through your life. We no longer have to try to live for God by our own efforts. Christ now lives his own life in us and bears his own fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what Jesus looks like. That's what his life produces. And you can't do, you can try to do fake versions of it. Tell someone, don't be a fruit of the loom guy. It's all the fake fruit, plastic fruit. You can try to produce love, try to do peace, try to be patient, and all you want to do is slap them. I'm going to, if you try to love someone in your own energy, all you want to do is slap them. But if you'll tap in and realize, God, I can't love them on my own natural flesh, but you live in me, and I'm asking you to love them through me right now by faith. I believe you're doing it right now. Faith that you're doing it right now, right now, right now you're doing it. Right now you're living through me. Right now you're producing it, right now. He'll do it, and all of a sudden supernatural compassion comes out, and you can generally love them. We're not to live for God, but from God. I'm no longer the life and power source for living as a Christian, because you have a choice. Either you can live by willpower or spirit power. The Holy Spirit is the, the power source, the, 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 you know, the lights come, there's a power plant that's the source for these lights. They're manifesting from the source of the power plant. The power plant on the inside of you is the Spirit of Christ joined to your spirit. And when by faith you acknowledge it and draw upon it, then you can manifest Christ. And the life which I now live in the flesh, because you're still here, you're in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. The King James says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It says his faith on the inside you're using. But but then we have faith in the Son of God. Our old man was crucified with Christ and we've been raised to Christ with a new life. We can only live the Christian life by faith in Jesus Christ. When you're not trusting in Jesus, you're not living the Christian life. You're living the law life. You're resting in your own ability to try to serve and love God and and do stuff for God. For example, when you try to love people, but you trust Christ in you to do it, you can truly love them. It says, "I, I put my faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. The literal translation in the the LITV, the literal translation of this, is I've been crucified with Christ and I live, yet no no longer I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith towards the Son of God, the one loving me. The literal says loving me and giving himself for me. See, he's living in you. And and if you'll trust him, he will love you, and he will give himself to you to be the resource for your life. Tell, Tell someone, Jesus is loving you and giving himself to you. But most Christians say, no, that's okay, I got it. Watch this. Watch me do this for you by my willpower your willpower will give out. You ever try to go on a 40-day fast? <laughs> and right after Thanksgiving meal, I mean, it's a, um, I am so motivated for a 40-day fast and you hit your 40-day fast and you make it to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> you know what a picture of living under the law and living under grace is an electronic gadget that's battery-powered. That's by living by your own willpower, is you have some kind of appliance or some kind of electronic gadget that has batteries, AA, AAA. It goes as long as the battery, but the battery will be drained, and all of a sudden it... But if you'll take the same electronic gadget and plug it into the power source, it goes on and on and on, clink, 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 (laughs) clink, 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 (laughs) clink. Ask someone, have you been plugged into into Jesus? Well, you've been plugged in, but are you drawing by faith? You're drawing upon Him. Verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes to the law, then Christ died in vain. When we do something to merit or be the basis for receiving from God, we set aside the grace of God. We push it to the side. When we try to live the Christian life by willpower, we set aside the grace of God. We shove it aside and says, I don't need it. I will do it. We can reject and refuse and slight God's grace by trying to live for God independently of Him. For if righteousness comes to the law, then Christ died in vain. What a terrible thing to make the death of Christ a vain thing in your life. And his resurrection a vain thing in your life. Key concepts, we're closing. Key concepts from this message. When you got saved, you torn down your old shack you were building for God to inhabit. You became his holy temple. Don't go back to build up the shack. He ain't coming. Stay with the one who brung you. It's Jesus' grace that got you saved, and it's Jesus' grace that will take you home. Don't go back to the law. Don't go back to your work. Don't try to go back to earning it. Don't try to go back to living for Him. Tell someone, stay with the one who brung you. You know, someone brings you to the dance. And then you change partners? That's yeah, not good. It's not polite. How many Christians, Jesus brought you into this life by grace, and then you abandoned him to dance with Mr. Law? Who just condemns you about how bad your dancing is? Jesus wants to carry you around and, dance, and say, Oh, how a wonderful of a dancer you are. You're holding me. Appropriate by faith Christ's life as the resource to live your life. Acknowledge this way. This is putting the cookies on the bottom shelf. You need to acknowledge verbally Jesus living in you. You need to acknowledge Philemon 1.6. (laughs) Philemon Chapter 1, verse 6. But faith becomes effective when you acknowledge every good thing in you by Christ Jesus. You need to acknowledge the life of Christ in you, and then you need to make a withdraw, make draw upon it, and you need to thank Him. Thanks, thanks, thank is living in what's been done. When you thank someone, you're living in in grace. You're you're thanking for what's been accomplished. You're thanking for Him for what He's done and is doing right now, not will do. You need to thank him for loving you and giving himself for you right now in the area that you need it. You're thank, Lord, I believe you're in me. Your life's in me. And right now you're loving me and giving yourself to me right now to be what I need in this situation with that crazy person. Now, don't look. If you're married, don't look. You'll mess it up. Don't, don't look. And by faith, thank him. That his fruit is being manifested right now. And he'll empower you. Father, I thank you so much for your word. You say, Pastor, I I didn't realize just so much the Christian life is Jesus. And I think I've gone back and tried to start working on that shack. But no, I realize he's already made me a temple. He lives in me and he wants to manifest his life through me. And today I, I... I want to acknowledge to the Lord that by His grace and by His help, because you can't even do this by your, without, without Him reminding you and enabling you to do this, you're going to yield to Him ever more than you've done before to draw from Him to be in your life. You're not going to live for Him, but from Him. And you want to do that in a greater degree. You're not going to do it perfectly, because you'll always try to go back into the flesh and, and try to do it yourself. But, but you realize that Jesus is the Christian life. And you want to make a commitment before the Lord right now that by the help of the Holy Spirit, by Him reminding you, enabling you to do this, you're going to yield to the life within you to manifest His fruit. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm not not building the shack up anymore. I'm not interested in trying to copy Jesus. I'm ready to draw upon Christ that's within me. Father, thank you for those that are standing Lord, remind them by the Holy Spirit. Show them how they've been been trying to live the Christian life by their willpower or their soul power, not by the Spirit of God power. And today, Lord, I thank you that this this mind renewed, they're going to go on a process that's going to be a a mind renewal to trusting you to live your life through them instead of them living for you. And that's going to make a big difference in their life. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Good morning, church. I keep hearing the word relax. How many have ever been outside working all day or something and your body gets a little sore, your back muscles get a little sore, your shoulders get a or maybe you sit at the computer all day and you just get the soreness right? I feel like there's a lot of people who have are experiencing that spiritually because you're trying to do so much in the spirit through your works, through your performance, through your self-effort. And it's created a lot of tension in your spiritual life. I just feel like the Lord just said, I want to give my people a massage. Anybody want a massage this morning? Not just physically, but God wants to massage you with his love. He wants you to bask in his presence and his word. He wants to give you rest. He wants you to relax in the spirit and stop trying to... to think things through too much. Stop trying to reason things, stop trying to figure things out and just relax and rest in his presence. Hebrews four says that we who have believed have entered into his rest. What is it that we are to believe? God's absolute love for us. Amen, that God wants the best for your life. But if you're all anxious and you're all tensed up spiritually, it's going to be hard for you to receive what God has for you. So just rest today. Allow His love to massage you. Amen. Hallelujah! There was a hitchhiker
0: walking down the road and had a huge pack on his back. Barely being able to walk another step. And That's when a truck drove by and stopped and offered him a ride. So he got into the back of the truck and they took off and a few miles down the road, he looked back at the gentleman sitting in the back, and he still had his backpack on. weighed over. Him. He didn't realize the car that carried him could carry his pack too. Christian, the grace that's carrying you to heaven is sufficient to carry your problem. Take it off, put it at the feet of Jesus, leave it in His grace. That victory is by grace. That problem is solved by grace, cast it upon him.